Welcome to the podcast for Zion Stone United Church of Christ, located in the Lehigh Valley of Pennsylvania. I'm Pastor Mike Landsman, and these podcasts are taken from my weekly Sunday morning sermons. We pray that they will bless you, and we would love for you to come visit us and make our church home, hopefully, become your church home. Here's what we have for today. So technology can be both a blessing and a curse. Unfortunately, the sermon that I preached this Sunday, there was a problem with the recording. So I figured I'd sit down in my office today and uh, just go over it again and re-record it for uh, posting. So we could still have something for the podcast, uh, even though it's not what we heard on Sunday. So last week, we finished the series we began midsummer, working our way through the Apostles' Creed. And so it felt like a natural continuation to shift from the ancient confession of our faith to what the confession of our faith should elicit from us, namely that's, that's prayer. Prayer is one of those things that we all know we should do, but it's something we don't always successfully integrate into our lives. We know it's necessary, but often when we try to pray, we get frustrated, and many times we give it up. But prayer, like the rest of the Christian life, is not something we only do here on a Sunday. It's part and parcel of the Christian experience. It's something that we are to try to enter into every day. And it's like St. Paul said, you know, pray without ceasing, he says. And maybe that's the ultimate goal one day, that we can get to the place where we're always praying. And when we talk about prayer, there's a few dangers here. One of the dangers is keeping it in the realm of theory. So prayer doesn't want to just be something, it doesn't want to just be a subject that we talk about, but not something that we actually do, right? Prayer isn't just theory, prayer is practice. Another thing is prayer can oftentimes become a moment where we ask God to give us stuff. You know, God is our genie. I really need this. Please give it to me. You know, or sometimes we only come to God when we're in trouble or when we have a need. And we should come to God in prayer when we're in trouble. And we should come to God in prayer when we have needs. But if that's the only, if those are the only situations that turn our hearts to prayer, then there's something wrong. Because prayer isn't just to ask for things or um, to ask for help. And we look at prayer, particularly in the Bible, we can look at Jesus and how he prayed. And we can see and learn from how he taught his disciples to pray. So we're doing a new sermon series up until Advent called Pray Like Jesus. And so today we're going to cover the first part of the Lord's Prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. So in Matthew 6, verses 9 to 13, Jesus said, Pray then like this, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And some manuscripts add, For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. So a few verses before this in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus is teaching the disciples a few things. Well, the first thing he says is don't make a show of praying in public like, like the religious leaders do. Their reward is everyone's going to see them and think they're holy, and that's their reward. The appearance of holiness rather than actual holiness itself. He then says when you pray, pray in private. Pray in secret. Right? Go into that secret private place and come before God. In prayer. Then he says, don't heap up 
empty phrases. Now, some biblical translations will read this as vain repetition, which then has led people to, to consider all repetition as being vain. But that's just not true. You know, we see repetition in Scripture, and it's definitely not vain. You know, one of the things that the angels cry out before the throne of God over and over and over again, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, right? And never once in the divine liturgy in heaven, right, does God stop the angels and say, you guys, you're getting a little bit repetitive here. I need you to switch it up a little bit, right? So there's nothing wrong with repetition. The problem that Jesus is dealing with here is empty, wordy prayers, overly wordy prayers that are ultimately devoid and empty of meaning. Not speaking of repetition itself, but emptiness. So then based on this, the disciples asked Jesus to teach them to pray. And we also see this a little bit in, in Luke's gospel as well. And I think if we learn not only the Lord's Prayer, but what it teaches, we'll be well on our way to developing robust lives of prayer. The theologian J.I. Packer, he said that Jesus' pattern of prayer, it is both crutch, road, and walking lesson for the spiritually lame like ourselves and tells us to start with God, right? So it's a crutch. So what do you do with a crutch? Well, when you are weak and you need support, and you're having trouble walking, you lean on the crutch or the walker, and it helps you. It helps support you. And so in this way, the Lord's Prayer helps us. It supports us. It gives us strength. It holds us up. Sometimes when we don't know to pray or what to pray for, we can pray this prayer. We can also use it, like he, Packer says, as a road, right? It's a, it's a path to take us where we want to go. It's not just about learning the Lord's Prayer itself, learning to, to recite the prayer itself. Yes, it's true, but it's also the road that we take, the road of prayer, which will ultimately deliver us to an endpoint on our journey. And then, the, like Packer says, it's also a, a lesson. And so the Lord's Prayer teaches us it shows us, it trains us how to approach God in prayer and then how we can integrate that into our lives. So the prayer begins with our Father in heaven. We've spoken at length in our series on the Apostles' Creed about what it means when we call God Father, so we won't dwell on that. You can go back and listen to the podcast in, when we talked about that in that series. So I won't really touch about that too much. But notice how when Jesus begins, he says, our father. He doesn't say, my father. He doesn't say, your father. He says, our father. So what does this our indicate? Well, it indicates that his father is in fact also their father. The relationship that the son has with the father is the relationship that we're called to share in as well. Well, how can we say this? Well, let's look at the words of St. Paul in Romans 8, 15 to 17. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order we may be also glorified with him. So notice St. Paul here says that we have received the spirit of adoption as what? As sons and daughters. We're not excluding, women are not excluded here from the covenant. The spirit of adoption is the Holy Spirit. And our reception of the Holy Spirit is our reception of God's adopting us as his children. And then the spirit himself bears witness inside of us that we are God's children. And if we're God's children, it means we are privy to what he has for us. We become his heirs. So this language of, of becoming the heir, 
you know, this has been taken in many circles to mean finances. And that is not what this text is talking about. When he's talking about the heirs of God, about our inheritance, he's not talking about money, right? When St. Paul talks about this language of being an heir, he's talking about we are heirs of eternal life. We are heirs of the resurrection. Through Jesus, we have been brought into relationship with the Father, and he has become, in a deeper sense, our Father as well. So then Jesus says here in this prayer also, our Father in heaven. So when we think of the Father in heaven, we often think of a faraway place, somewhere beyond the space of our universe and galaxy. I'm not sure this is correct, though. Sure enough, when the scriptures mention the heavens, they aren't necessarily speaking so much of outer space, but like kind of the heavens above. So maybe, according to Packer, he's very helpful here, maybe it it helps to not speak of heaven as another place. Instead of maybe we should think about heaven as maybe being another plane, right? God's abode, where he dwells, it's not as far away as we think, and it's a lot closer to us than what we can imagine. This should lead us to respond, I think, in awe that the God of heaven is our Father. The God who made all things is the God in whom everything in existence owes its being is also our friend who is closer to us than a brother. Then in the prayer, Jesus shifts to from our Father in heaven, then he says, hallowed be your name. So hallowed is a fancy way of saying holy. When we pray and we ask and proclaim that God's name be made known and honored as holy, the Hebrew people placed a premium on the name of God that they would not use God's name, Yahweh, instead would substitute Adonai, which is Lord, or Hashem, which is the name. Because God's name was so holy, to use it flippantly would be sacrilege of the deepest sort. And this is helpful because oftentimes we forget that God is holy, and we are in fact called to be holy too. Jesus says, be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. That sounds like an impossibility, (laughs) but he means what he says. This is also stating something else, too, not just making a factual point about God's holiness. Uh, N.T. Wright comments, May you be worshipped by your whole creation. May the whole cosmos resound with your praise. May the whole world be freed from injustice, disfigurement, sin, and death. So what does this acknowledgement of God's hallowed name do for us? Well, for starters, it helps us to focus on what matters most, namely God. Many of our prayers, mine included, can be selfish, focusing on my needs and my wants. When we pray for God's name to be hallowed or honored, we are shifting the focus of our prayer off of ourselves, and we're beginning our prayer by placing the focus on God where it belongs. The second thing it does is it moves us into the realm of thankfulness for all God has done for us. So think about the beautiful gift of adoption as sons and daughters. Think of the hope of the resurrection and the new heaven and the new earth. Think of the suffering of the Son for us. Think of the gift of the Holy Spirit. Think of the forgiveness of sins. Think of the freedom from the bondage to death and sin. Think of the movement from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of God. All of this should draw forth from us praise and thanksgiving and the desire to see God and all of His works made known to every person. This is hallowing God's name, that His name and deeds are made known and celebrated. The theologian Olivier Clement reminds us, the point is to not forget God. For according to the spiritual masters, forgetting is the greatest sin. Forgetfulness, sleepwalking, insensitivity of the soul, hardness of heart. Right? So when we hallow God's name, when we remove the focus off of ourselves, when we shift the focus from him, it helps us to not forget God. Because so many times in our daily lives, we forget God. 
forgetfulness. This leads us to hard-heartedness, right? So when we hallow God's name, when we honor God's name, we are keeping in our minds what he has done for us. We are keeping at the forefront of our thought his adopting us as his children, his taking us from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his son. And that we ask and we pray that his name would not only be made hallowed or honored, but it would be made known. And so when we begin our prayers, acknowledging that God is our father, he is in heaven, not beyond us, but closer to us than we can ask or think. And then that his name would be hallowed, that his name would be honored as we shift our focus off of ourselves and put our focus on God. Because then what that does is as we begin with him, as we honor him, as we hallow him, then everything else in our prayer life begins to fall into place. And so, one of the things I've done this, this Sunday in the service was I asked people to just take a moment, a few minutes in silent prayer, thinking about what God has done for them, what God has done for them in, in, in specifics, right? Like some people I've, I've heard say that they would be dead if it wasn't for God, for the way they were living. So if you're listening to the sermon on this podcast, after this is over, maybe you should stop and take the time. If you're listening to this in your car, when you get home or pull over to the side of the road. And think about a time where God did something for you, where God helped you, where God provided for you. But then also think of his great gift of Jesus Christ. Think of his great gift of salvation. Think of his great gift of adopting you. And then allow that to bring forth out of you thankfulness for what he's done. So your heart will never grow hard, so that your heart will never forget. And so, to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, be all glory together with the Father, who is from everlasting, and is all holy, good, and life-giving spirit. Amen. Thanks for listening to the podcast for Zion Stone United Church of Christ. We have deep roots here in our community, and we predate the founding of the United States itself. If you're looking for a traditionally grounded, biblically faithful church, come visit us. We just might be the church you're looking for. If you'd like to email me, you can reach me at malandsman at gmail.com. Please be sure to check us out online, zionstoneucc.com, and check us out on Facebook at Zionstone UCC. Thanks again for listening, and God bless you.